0: Hi, and welcome to The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman.
1: And I'm Sarah Merle, burning in hell.
0: Yeah, so maybe that should be the title, the burning in hell episode. (laughs) Uh, No, I I guess this should be the uh, under, under his eye episode. Under his eye.
1: Yeah, hell is all around us. Yep.
0: Yeah, so for those of you who've been living under a rock, we received what has now been confirmed as a by Chief Justice Roberts as a draft of the upcoming decision in Dobbs, which uh, deals with Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban. And uh, I'm going to cut right to the chase. Uh, page five <laughs> of the decision, right at the top, it states, we hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled.
1: There you go. As as they have been trying to do, basically since it was first decided, as they have been campaigning on for since it was decided. And now, uh, I just, I know I keep coming back to this, and I'm sorry for, for sounding like such a broken record. But the people that these that these laws, that these lawmakers are trying to punish are me, right? They're trying to punish mm-hmm. single women who have sex for pleasure and do it because it's fun. And the people that they're going to end up punishing are nice ladies from their own church who are married and have a bunch of kids and have one really terrible outcome, medical outcome, that is potentially fatal or, if not, you know, life-altering or uh, or maiming to this person. So, anyway, tell us more about it, Matt.
0: Um, so, I think you cut right to the heart of it, that this is a maximalist opinion. <sighs> penned Mm -hmm. by justice Alito and this people were questioning whether or not the conservative wing of the Supreme court would go whole hog or the, if they would go incremental. And the answer is they just decided to do it all with one swing with, with one decision that the Mississippi law in question in Dobbs does not have exceptions for rape and incest. Um, it does not have exceptions for the life of the mother. So by upholding this law, not only are they overturning Roe and Casey, they decided to um, ratify one of the most extreme possible anti-abortion or anti-choice uh, laws possible without hedging in any way, shape or form.
1: And uh, will you go back to reminding us about how this is really all about a uh, right to privacy? That mm-hmm. that uh, the original the original decision was about essentially medical privacy. Is that correct?
0: So the right to privacy cases all stem back um, to the Griswold line of cases. Although mm-hmm. you could you could go all the way back to Pierce, but essentially there was a line of cases that dealt with issues that are so close and so personal, um, usually these are located in the home or have to deal with one's body or raising children, that they're generally considered outside the purview of government regulation. So classic example of this is uh, choosing where to send your kids to school. There was a case that dealt with parents who wanted to send their children to a German-speaking school. And the Supreme Court upheld that right since choosing how to raise one's children uh, was considered within this zone of privacy. And then it gradually got extended out uh, to ideas like contraception, uh, to then um, who you marry, uh, abortions. So this is all what falls within that ambit. Um, And that's why this, as we noted before, that like Roe is just the start. It's this entire Griswold line of cases, including Obergefell, including Lawrence v. Texas, possibly uh, Loving, um, that may be in the crosshairs. So this is not the end of the court's radicalism on these issues. This is the beginning.
1: And and I just, I also want to say, because this keeps coming up, because, of course, it's the same group of, like, fucking reply guys who always come up in this conversation where it's like, abortion isn't illegal, it just gets sent back to states. And it's like, yes, okay, let's get that out of the way, right? Like, this does not mean that nationwide there would be some massive ban on abortion. But it does mean what, what happens, the, the way a lot of these laws are drafted state by state is if Roe is overturned, automatically... Uh, those states will ban, in some cases, literally all abortion, rape, incest, absolutely no exceptions. I mean, so literally this this happens as soon as this decision comes down.
0: So, yeah. So this, this is probably going to happen um, – this is going to come next month. So this is not the law of the land yet, but the reason we are talking about it now is we want to make sure that people are forewarned. Um, right now, these are called trigger laws, yep. and there are 13 states right now um, that passed so-called trigger laws since Roe in 1973. So um, in Kentucky, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and South Dakota, the moment Roe gets overturned, the bans go into effect immediately.
1: Yeah.
0: Idaho has slightly different formulation. It would go into effect – the ban would go into effect 30 days after Row Falls. Other ones would require some sort of attorney general or legislative approval that could take a few weeks. But um, pretty much all of most of these trigger laws, while they do have exceptions for the life or health of a woman, they don't have exceptions generally for uh, rape and incest.
1: So, as we pointed out <clears throat> on the episode that at this moment has yet to come out, uh, if a father. Rapes his daughter, and she gets pregnant, and says, "I would not. I don't want an abortion." It's already set up in many states that she would have to have her rapist permission to get uh, an abortion as as her parent, um, and this would uh, this would mean that you know in some states, you know, for example, like we have talked about in Texas, it it in Oklahoma's uh, drafted policy, I think it would criminalize crossing state uh, state lines to receive abortion care. So you're just fucked. You have to, you're 15 years old and you have to birth your incest rapist baby. That's your, that's your life now.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a constitutional question about whether or not those provisions of punishing people for crossing straight state lines um, to seek an abortion or to seek contraceptives or or that sort of thing, because trust me, contraceptives are next. Yep. Um, Whether those are constitutional, the uh, this actually brings to mind the Dred Scott decision, um, whether or not uh, in in Dred Scott, you know, we were deciding about whether or not uh, a free man who was dragged back across state lines to a place where he, where slavery was legal, whether or not he would then become a slave. So it's about these sort of thorny um, interstate uh, constitutional issues. Mm -hmm. So we could wind up with like Dred Scott in the 21st century. (laughs) God, I, I, Like, the fact that this is even a live question, there's some weirdo out there who's a Dred Scott expert who's suddenly (laughs) going to get tenure um, (laughs) because of this. Um, But, like, I think this highlights what a freaking mess all of this is, because in addition to those 13 states with trigger laws, there are five other states that have technical bans that are decades old on abortion in their state laws, but it's unclear about whether they'd be enforced. And these are ones that that kind of run the gamut. You have Michigan, Wisconsin, West Virginia, Arizona, Alabama, and North Carolina. Mm -hmm. So that's weird, right? Um, Because, you know, Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer has already filed a lawsuit. Yeah, I was going to ask you to give us some details about that if you know any. So this was um, this was earlier, uh, just actually just a few weeks ago. Uh, Governor Whitner, Whitmer of Michigan asked the state Supreme Court to answer, basically asking for an advisory opinion um, about whether or not Michigan's constitution protects the right to abortion. So the fact that governors are already asking these questions shows how ambiguous it is. Um, Arizona Governor Ducey there has said that their recent ban on abortion after 15 weeks would take precedence. Um, and North Carolina has a, a pre row ban from the 60s, but it also has a 2015 uh, 20-week ban that has been unenforceable under current jurisprudence. Would That one would probably take effect, but again, there would have to be litigation. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, which As could you can lead, see it's a giant mess.
1: If if uh could that also like lead us right back to the exact same supreme court who made these decisions who would be like, well, no, you you know what we're going to say because we
0: already said it. Invariably some of these are going to have to be resolved. Um the federalism issues about um trying to punish people for conduct in other states that's legal in those states, that's going to have to be resolved by the supreme court because this is not something generally um that we've had to worry about since Dred Scott <laughs> and the civil war. I uh, God, it, I, it's so, I, I just want to like, let's talk
1: about it because I think we, we end up every time we have these conversations, inevitably it gets a little bit um, uh, theoretical. And what I would like to do as much as possible is bring this into a real world scenario. And, and when it comes to these, you know, crossing state laws decisions, for example, uh, with uh, with um, Oberfeld, we're talking about you know you work for Salesforce for example. Salesforce is based out of San Francisco, where your gay marriage is perfectly legal. You get all of your you know uh, spousal benefits. Uh, your your company's healthcare plan covers your spouse, but Salesforce has offices in. Indiana, North Carolina. It has it has offices all over the place. And let's say you get transferred to the North Carolina office where in that state your marriage isn't legal. So does that mean that you won't be able to get a mortgage with your partner on it? Does that mean your credit score has to be counted only by itself? Does that mean that they can't get by, you know, what I'm trying to say is like the the reason that this is so complicated is it has it will end up having fingers in all aspects of our personal lives like whether or not you are a, you know in a gay marriage or whether or not you need an abortion you, 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 am i yes. saying that correctly
0: yes and i think it's important that we bring up the gay marriage issue because uh, justice alito specifically does that yes that he does try in um this dobbs draft to Show that there is a difference between, say, Obergefell and um, Loving. So basically, he's, uh Alito, was trying to say there is a significant difference between rolling back gay marriage rights and rolling back interracial marriage rights. Um, I don't think it's a particularly good distinction, since they, as <laughs> mentioned before, they fall, they rest on the same. Um, right to privacy, the same unenumerated right in the Constitution, mm-hmm. but when Justice Alito specifically mentions cases like Obergefell, like love, uh, like um, uh, uh, like Loving, and distinguishes them, he's signaling to potential litigants: bring cases challenging this decision yeah. and not mm-hmm. this one. So you could wind up with extremely complicated family law scenarios. Um, I mean, it, it could get, I mean, imagine, for example, um, members of the armed forces right. who don't have control over where they travel, where they get placed. Right. Um, how does one navigate uh, spousal rights, parental rights, if one gets involuntarily, like against, you know, you don't get to make a decision, rebased somewhere Uh, in a state where your marriage uh, and you possibly your parenthood are no longer legally considered protected.
1: I was going to say this, this also back to this, like we're back to this, like this also bleeds into adoption rights. This bleeds into, and again, like, (sighs) even if you're not gay, even if you're not, you know, in some sort of alternative alter, alternative family setup, not that being in a gay marriage is alternative, I just mean like multi-parenting or parenting across state lines or like, you know, kind of a compound family situation. Like I, I think abortion gets painted as this very, very narrow women's issue for a very narrow group of people. And what I want to keep coming back to is that this will bleed into so many decisions that will it mean <laughs> I'm sorry to use this this uh, as my metaphor but have you ever lived in a historic neighborhood i ha- i have yes have you ever like been on your historic neighborhood's like facebook page when someone's trying to like remodel their historic house oh and, like, good luck with that and like you have to so you have to present your plans to the you know your local building code enforcement person but you also have to present the plans to the historical society you have to show them all your paint colors you have to show them you have to have a very very detailed plan for like we would like to do this to the brick we would like to tuck point it meaning this amount of square footage we would like to pull out and you know, whatever it's a nightmare. It's just a nightmare. It's, the, it's, it's going through like 25 people to do some very, very simple home repair on your historic house. That's a house. Imagine it's for your kid. Imagine it's mm-hmm. for your marriage. Imagine it's for your doomed fucking pregnancy that you want in your married life with your heterosexual partner and spouse. Now, all of a sudden, your doctor has to go through their practice's attorney to make sure that they are allowed, that they are not uh, endangering their own license, just to give you, you know, what should be just the normal, straightforward, medically prescribed care between you, your doctor, your partner, and your deity, you know?
0: Yeah. It just opened... I mean, these are... These are legal questions that... Or I guess then I don't view a lot of these as legal questions necessarily. Um, they're sort of questions that one that we should decide ourselves outside of the confines of uh, politics and law. Yeah, um, I think that that's a big part of this. That's the idea of self determination of self actualization. Yeah. That's what's being rolled back here. It's the ability for individuals to freely exercise their autonomous rights as human beings. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've mentioned this before, but particularly around issues of life and death, you know, with birth and the end of life, the last thing I want, uh, and I think any anyone should want in a free society, is the government dictating um, what decisions should be made. It's already hard enough as it is um, without asking Sam Alito and pals um, <laughs> what yeah. you should do.
1: Also, spoiler spoiler alert, I know what the uh, Federalist Society is going to tell you. They're going to say, well, take off your shoes and get your uh, knife, get your sandwich making knife out because boy, <laughs> have we got a job for you.
0: It's It's this retreat to the past that I think is really important. And it's written all over the decision. Um, And I want to go through a little bit of the hard law here because I think it's really, really, really important why this is not surprising, why people like me have been screaming our heads off uh, about this for a while. Um, That um, In 97, there was a case called Washington v. Glucksburg. I'm just going to call it Glucksburg for now. Um, That asserted that essentially unenumerated rights must, quote, be deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition uh, and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty, end quote. Hmm. So note how restricting this is. This is not the only way to read unenumerated rights. Obviously, um, Justice Kennedy famously um, read unenumerated rights much more expansively. Uh, especially when uh, penning, uh, you know, things like Obergefell, yeah. thinking, looking at concepts of dignity, um, looking at ideas of privacy, <laughs> um, but by focusing on this idea of deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition, it shut. It sort of moves the moral window. Ugh. To the founding or the era around the founding. Which is so truly fucking
1: bone chilling if you like pause for 10 goddamn seconds to think about it.
0: Yeah. And I've said this. I said this, I think, in uh, CrimPro, in, among other places, in many places. Hmm. Um, why should I care about the moral intuitions of slavers? Hmm. Yeah, Uh, of people who thought it was okay to beat women. Yeah, Um, why should we worry about the moral framework laid out when women weren't allowed to vote, when people of color weren't allowed to vote? Yeah, um, when non-landholders.
1: Why? Why is it your? Why do you think it's reasonable for you to enforce your religious doctrine on me, who has never set foot in your church and does not claim your god?
0: But that is. The essential um, framework of the Dobbs decision. Hmm. It really, really, really focuses on, and and Alito does a rather long and lengthy roundup of what uh, the, the America's history and tradition with around abortion during the time of the founding and afterward. And he concludes that the right of abortion doesn't fall within this category because it was only in the 20th century, in the late 20th century um, that it was enshrined in American law. Now one could argue that our tradition and history of the last 50 years matters more than our tradition in history like 200 years oh, ago. But God. that is not, um, that is not where originalists generally base their uh, conception of what American society should look like. So I mean, Alito doesn't just bring it back to like the 1700s. He brings it back to the 13th century. Good,
1: good, good. I'm really looking forward to being uh, basically chattel property uh, again. (laughs) So I wonder if they'll, how do you think they'll value my business? Do you think they'll go by Gross sales, or think they'll just be like straight assets?
0: They're just going to have to say, uh, it depends. That like you're going to, you might not actually own anything at all in yeah, your business. Good point. Your husband good point. or non existent husband would need to own it. Uh, no, we'd have
1: to. I, you're the only person who's a reasonable person to get married in this situation. We would have to do like a, it would be like the under his eye version of a green card marriage. You know what?
0: If we need to, we'll do what needs to be done. Cool.
1: Great. Thanks for being <laughs> uh, on board with that. I just, I just need to keep my business uh, and then once I can move to like Aruba or Belize, uh, mm-hmm. I'm good.
0: So the first legal scholar chronologically that uh, Alito cites is Henri de Bracton. <laughs> Great. He, and he was uh, an English cleric in, and he lived from 1210 to 1268. <sighs> uh, and you could ask yourself, why would we want to go back to clerical thinking um, <laughs> on these topics. Right. And he cites this, that if a person has struck a pregnant woman or has given her poison, whereby he caused an abortion, if the fetus uh, be already formed and animated, and particularly if it be animated, he commits homicide. Uh, so that's like chronologically the first legal thinker. Um who gets cited then, you know, we jump forward to the 1600s citing more and more thinking about murder laws around abortion, killing children uh, in utero on their conception. uh, And then talks about uh, uh, some things that happened and then cites, and this is a funny joke, uh, Blackstone's, Blackstone's law dictionary. Um, and the reason I say this is a funny joke is that I know I was gonna say this is this is gonna be a little insider for me,
1: Matt. You have to explain this one to me.
0: So this is a textualist sort of thing. It's <laughs> to cite law dictionaries, and Blackstone is one of the uh, OG law dictionaries. Right. Um. So you know when when you get a you always know it's gonna be like a Scalia joint when it's starting off with Blackstone's definition of something. Cool.
1: Okay. Uh, got it. Thank you. So, That's very helpful. Yeah. So so just some. Like really
0: going hard in the blowhard paint, if you will. Here, yeah. So, like when two of when I officiated a friend's uh, two friends' wedding uh, in law school, they were both in law school at the time. Uh, I started off by asking the question, "What is marriage?" Blackstone <laughs> says that marriage <laughs> is a contract between two. Um, so, yeah, a good a, a good joke for all the lawyers in the audience, right? Uh, except Alito is citing Blackstone here minus irony. Good,
1: good, 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 good. I think it's good. I actually think it's really good. And let me tell you why, Matt, it's actually good. Is uh, because, unfortunately, we live in America. And one of the things we have to do to find out uh, is not trust the experts. But we must, we must, we are bound by our blood to fuck around first. (laughs) And I... I have been telling people for a long time and been told that I am being melodramatic and I'm being a screeching feminist harpy. And I said, here's the thing, people you know are going to die. People, it's not gonna be a far away person with brown skin in a city, in a slum that you don't know. It's going to be someone from your church and boy, is it gonna rock your world. And I guess we're just going to do it this way because fucking Samuel goddamn Ghoul Alito has to base his opinions on 2020 world on the literal 13th fucking century.
0: Great. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, it it does strike one that... It strikes me that if you're citing punishments for women for abortion of, you know, two days in the pillory Mm -hmm. and then three years of imprisonment, perhaps the social context you're citing is not particularly relevant um to applications of law today
1: this is i i will say this is as close as we're going to get to an admission about what this is really all about right like i think this is about as plain speak as we're going to get from the ghoul squad about what they want which is to use children as punishment to use motherhood as punishment and I also think this is really quite profoundly telling about what the right really thinks of women and motherhood, right? Like there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of fetishization of motherhood on the right. And when it comes down to it, it's like, actually, we really just think you're all used up.
0: <laughs> the, the gum analogy, right?
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, for those who did not do right wing, um, do you want to explain the gum analogy? Oh,
1: yeah. So uh, abstinence only sex education teaches that um, it is it is not just that the, you know, if if abstinence only sex education was, hey, the only absolutely guaranteed way to avoid pregnancy and uh, STIs is abstinence. That's a fact. That's just a factual piece of sexual ed. But- what it is instead in practice is they pass around um, a stick of gum that everybody touches and then they get it back to the original person and ask if they still want to eat it. And of course, the idea is that it's it's uh, chewed gum and every time you have sex, you're chewed up a little bit. So by the time you get to your husband after being a whore for all those years, uh, you're about as, as uh, you have as much worth as a piece of discarded chewed gum. So... Just some really good, like really positive things that to teach our kids that won't end up with them thinking that their sexual assaults are their fault at all.
0: So, would that make the analogy for um, himbos um, that were like uh, gas station roller dogs? Perfect.
1: Perfect. Just getting shrunken and saltier over time. <laughs> Just like less and less satisfying. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Um, this is so. For those of you who are who are reading along, you you can go to page thirty one of the decision, and this is where Alito tries to distinguish um, the right to an abortion from other precedents. Um, he says it that um, you know Casey uh, relied on cases involving uh, like Loving, um, which is interracial marriage, marriage in prison, which is Turner. Um, contraceptives, which is Griswold, Eisenstadt, and Carey, um, to reside with relatives, Moore v. East Cleveland, education of children, we mentioned before, Pierce and Meyer, and then don't sterilize me without my consent, which is Skinner. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, he then says, you know, they uh, that in this case, um, pro choice advocates also relied on. Uh, Lawrence v. Texas, um, which is, uh, you know, uh, again, dealing with, uh, gay, uh, with gay sex and consensual sex acts, and Obergefell, which is gay marriage. Um, and then essentially says that this idea of autonomy, the right to autonomy, goes too far because they could, quote, license fundamental rights to illicit drug use, prostitution, and the like
1: just like a norm just like a completely normal and logical conclusion to come to, right? Yeah. Like what is really, Matt, what is the difference between <laughs> getting an abortion uh, to save your life and future fertility and just shooting a big old fat syringe of
0: heroin right into your veins? Well, instead of dealing with that issue, Alito just says none of those issues deal with quote, a potential life.
1: Oh yeah. No, like it's I mean, drug addicts obviously are not themselves alive. Uh and I I'm uh, nor the women
0: who might need no. a medical abortion.
1: No, absolutely not. And by the way, I, I, I think we should also point out that like it's very sweet. I see some of you out there, and it's very sweet to see you uh advocating for the women who will die from illegal abortions. And that's I know I understand. The logical trap that you might think that like, hey, they don't want women to die and here's the answer. Yeah, they do. Uh, literally, the um, discourse online that I've been seeing has been all about this exact question, which is you can never eliminate an abortion, you can only eliminate safe abortions and women will die. And uh, the response from the far right is uh, great. Great. Two birds, one stone got rid of one murdering whore. If they're going to get rid of a baby, eye for an eye, we love to see it. So don't even bother with that. They they know it's a, it's a feature, not a bug, friends. It's a feature,
0: not a bug. Yeah. And uh, the, the court has been presented with this kind of evidence so many times. The, the mm-hmm. justices know, or they are willfully ignorant, despite being presented with the very clear statistical evidence of the har- real harm to women that will come from these bans, because again, oh, yeah. they're not banning abortion; they're some just banning legal abortion. Right? Um, they're just these abortion bans don't stop abortions from happening; they simply make it harder for poor people to access safe abortions. Yeah, that's it. Because you know, people like you and me, I'm just gonna say, if we ever needed an abortion, we could get one. Ah. Uh. Like, you know, you know that regardless of how your parents felt, if they thought it was an issue and that you needed one, they would find a way. Your dad's, right. you know, your dad's a surgeon. He'd find yeah. a buddy. It'd be fine.
1: I I, um, I, I I, keep I keep coming back to that, which is like I used to worry a lot about myself. And it's like, no, 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 I'm going to be fine. But, like, this is not what this is about. It was never about me. Like, it's never about you or me or people in our in our bracket of, you know, taxes and education and connectedness. This is not who is ever going to suffer for this. And it's not... Who suffered in the past?
0: And that's, I guess... I guess that kind of... I mean, the crazy thing to me here is that the people who seem most upset, at least I know, generally live in blue states where their abortion rights will be protected.
1: Even in Indiana. Indiana doesn't even have a trigger law. Indiana and Illinois are the two little carve-outs where we don't have a
0: trigger law in place. So... And you're seeing, you know, in D.C., a whole bunch of people go out to protest. But you know, it's highly unlikely that it's going to be banned from D.C. Right. Um, and it's highly unlikely that uh, even if it were so D.C. is so small that you could easily go into Maryland, uh, <laughs> and, and and get what you need. Yeah. The the problem is for people who live in, say, you know, rural, um, in in rural parts of states with, uh, state. Uh, abortion bans and this is this is where the court sort of hand waves and this is justice kavanaugh um signaled this during oral arguments where he was making the argument that wouldn't the neutral thing be for the court to return this to the states uh, um i mean maybe if you lived under a rock and in a vacuum <laughs> that could seem like the case but knowing the deeply deeply different and disparate Um, state of the law and state of politics in each state it's not neutral you know where abortion is going to be outlawed based on this decision i mean i literally i mean just a little bit of googling could show you that uh and i assume that justice kavanaugh knows how to use google or at the very least he can sexually harass a clerk (laughs) into doing it for him god damn it um (laughs) what i really Uh, hate
1: is that i genuinely laughed at that like that gave me a belly
0: laugh yeah go ahead (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we gotta, we gotta find the laughs where they are. Cause I've been, I've been really struggling with, you know, the onion released, I mean, the onion and other places of trying to make jokes about this, but they've all just kind of felt like lead balloons in my stomach. It all feels, it's not even like gallows humor anymore. It's, yeah. um, I've been, you know, I, I felt before that, you know, screaming in multiple elections, like in 2014, um, 2016, 2018, 2020, now in the 2022 midterms, 2024, in the 2022 midterms, there are already conservative groups planning on introducing a national abortion ban. Yep. If the Republicans take back the House and Senate, you might say that'll get filibustered. Well, the Republicans can kill the filibuster in the Senate. Oh, it'll get vetoed. Yeah, and if Biden loses in 2024, then what? You're fucked. And I've had some other friends say on the on the left say, you know, the Dems are now going to pass a national abortion, um, uh, going to enshrine abortion rights in federal legislation, <laughs> which then can just get nullified by the same Supreme <laughs> I Court. Was just going to say. Like and their reasoning will be "fuck you." That's why we have five votes. So you know, um, eat shit and die, nerd. (laughs) I mean, I just because let's be honest, that is that that is essentially the quality of the argumentation here. I'm going to be honest that like I can cite old shitty statutes and law d- and law treatises from all sorts of historical eras to justify virtually any kind yeah. of horrific shit from slavery um to um child labor to you know spousal rape right you know that like it was in tr- it was a long history in English law that men could rape that husbands could rape their wives freely it was wasn't it it was not even Explicitly outlawed until wasn't it the fucking 70s in America? It didn't need to get outlawed that explicitly because we just kind of went nope at a certain point, <laughs> which is what happens in evolving societies where m- concepts of morality change over time. Yeah. They're not locked at like to a fixed point 300 years ago yeah, um, or 250 years ago. That's not generally how societies progress and i think it's also against the conception of the american form of governance Hmm. uh as conceived by the same founders that you know the the constitution was envisioned to be updated and revised and was one of the founding fathers said every you know four years or so um uh, how's that
1: how's that going for us matt How how are we doing on the timeline
0: yeah not so great. We haven't had really a constitutional amendment in decades. Um, and we're not going to get another one in probably within my lifetime. Cool. All right. So I've argued before that, you know, we're our constitutional system is essentially a perpetual state of revolution every few years when we get uh, the peaceful transfer of power. That's what it is. It's basically a small revolution in which, uh, one ruling, uh, one ruling group turns over power to another ruling group. We just gotten used to it, yep. but that's a radical conception. But now we have a group of five unelected justices who were voted in by senators representing less than half of voters, by, and all by presidents f- who lost the uh, popular vote. Yes, so I've. I noted in the – I mean, so in some of the work that I've done on Senate reform, I did note that the gap is widening, that with each successive Republican um, nominee to the court, uh, they represent a smaller and smaller percentage of uh, <laughs> of the population. Yeah. So this is a deeply unpopular decision. And sometimes deeply unpopular decisions are correct, that you could get something like Brown um, – Uh, Which, you know, overturned um, separate but equal. And that was deeply unpopular at the time. No matter what white people want to tell you, a majority of their ancestors were against school integration. Yeah. Um, Sometimes that's true, but note that that's in a case of protecting people and providing equal rights and dignity, protecting them from uh, domination and subordination by the ruling class. And this is the opposite. This is taking a group that's historically been marginalized. uh, Women in American history have historically been marginalized and removing protections from them so that mostly white male legislators in states dominated by white male power bases restrict the rights of women in those states. Yep. It's a rollback of what we thought sort of what we thought the uh, arc of history was bending toward throughout the entire 20th century. And, and uh,
1: crucially, I also just want to say like, the point of this is, I think it's, it's not explicitly to, I know it's like, it's very simplified to say to control women. And that's, of course, that is it in large terms, but, what I think the point is, is a kind of psychological terrorism uh, towards women where the insertion of the state is in so many aspects of your life that you truly never, I mean, there you, you have no actual private rights to like a, you know, a private life that exists without the permission of a elected official. And I don't, i I honestly think it's I think it's just to make us feel like caged animals again. I think it's, it's truly like a kind of psychological torture, I guess.
0: It's really – it's one of those things where like – how to put this? Um, I think that's a really good way to put it because the terror and the pain and the bad consequences are not an accident. Yeah, they're part of the design. Like there are, there were ways to write this opinion in which they could have said, at the very least, that there must be exceptions for rape and incest. There yep. must be exceptions um, for the life and health of the mother. Those would be at least some fig leaves, right? Yep. Yeah, and you could even imagine this getting handed off to Justice uh, Barrett. You could have imagined <laughs> the right wanting to. Yep have this decision written by the only woman on their uh, side of the bench. And always, always, the way that you can, the way you, you can always know this
1: is truly about controlling women's agency is if language of protection is invoked uh, in the defense of this. And, and I, I'm telling you a hundred out of a hundred times, anytime a law is written about the protection and care of women, it is about controlling her choices.
0: Well, from from a certain side, there are some like the Violence Against Women Act where, you know, Uh, it is what it says on the on the label.
1: No. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But but with the Violence Against Women Act, the function is not is is to give women more options like there are the only outcome of the Violence Against Women Act is that women get to do more things. There are more avenues. If if it's protection of women and the
0: outcome is that there are less avenues, Mm. that's don't fall for it is all I'm saying. I think that's a good point. the The issue here is women's autonomy, right? Yes. That yes. the Violence Against Women Act and similar things give women autonomy; it gives yes. them agency to yes. act <laughs> as full moral beings, and as I, one I,
1: would imagine. Can I? Can I have a moment of confession here, since I have an audience that, for some reason, keeps listening to us, and it is that I I really used to be one of those people that was like, "Listen, abortion is okay, but only up to the you know." 16th week and like beyond that it's murder and like and then I met people who had late trimester abortions and um just thinking about the things that they went through still makes me this emotional um Mm -hmm. because they are the situation that results in a late trimester abortion is going in for a test and finding out that your baby doesn't have lungs or a brain the baby that you really wanted and probably have a bed picked out for and probably have a name and probably have a lot of hopes and dreams already for that child who is very wanted. Um, and the only reasonable and humane thing to do is a late-term abortion. And uh, boy, let me tell you what. That'll really change your your high horse tune about what is and isn't murder uh, because um, the other thing is, and I'll repeat and bang on this drum as long as I'm alive, over 70% of women who get abortions every year already have one child, and it is truly insulting to tell a mother who's already a mother (laughs) that they're committing murder because they know exactly what's going on Mm -hmm. inside of them there there is no question to them about what's happening and what they're doing is conserving their resources for the children they have and i'm i i reject anyone quantifying or qualifying that as anything other than the most selfless that a that a parent can be
0: i really i mean i think that the the pain and the emotion that you're feeling is shared by so many people i've been honored and touched by all the women in my life who have shared their stories and the stories of their friends and family. Me too. Struggling with these incredibly painful, emotional decisions, but they were allowed to make decisions and grieve and rejoice on their own terms in their own time without, you know, Sam Alito (laughs) telling them what to do. And, there's this idea that women would, you know, just do abortions willy-nilly, you know, like, oh, we yeah. can't let them have keys to this car, else they're going <laughs> to run it off the road. You know how women drivers are. <laughs> it's it's not only deeply insulting to the intelligence of women, but also to their emotional and moral lives.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think if I if I ever got to run a totalitarian government, anybody who you know, I've been, I've been holding my pink Planned Parenthood sign and my pink t-shirt on the street corner at 38th and Meridian where the clinic is for about as long as I've lived in Indianapolis uh, when I moved here for college. And if I could pull over one of those people that calls us that slows down to roll their window down to call us a murderer, I would love to just immediately pull them out of their car and into a one-on-one room with a parent making the decision about whether or not they should carry their doomed and dying baby to term mm-hmm. or get an abortion. And I want that parent to genuinely be asking them what should i do what should i do i i just i again these people want to punish me for being a slut and they're going to end up punishing nice married people who are trying to have their nice white christian babies that they want so much and that's who's gonna suffer and i guess we'll all just have to fucking
0: find out together and uh, i mean contraception which they always bang on about um, the uh, the argument from the right is that contraception is a form of abortion, yep. So I just want to make this very, very clear that <laughs> although Alito waves at Griswold at all being different, that is not the stance of the political right and the religious right in the United States. They say abortion and contraception are this one and the same. Yeah, and I think that Alito tips his his cards a little here by citing a freaking church theologian um from the out because that is ultimately where these moral intuitions come from they are religious moral intuitions and i do not begrudge any individual their own religious beliefs and views about abortion i know that i voted for joe biden knowing that he personally is opposed to abortion because of his catholic faith faith but he recognizes the difference between one's personal faith and the, and the extent that church and state that one's religious faith can guide public policy. Yep. Alito is essentially annihilating that. I mean, the, the, the right wing of the, of the court has been essentially eroding that, you know, decision after decision. So, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that he, he goes back, to, you know, a freaking, I mean, also a freaking member of the clergy who like never had sex or had a family or anything I, like that, not let alone like carry a birth a child, but like this is a freaking church man in I, the thirteen in the, in the 12, 1200s. Like, like w-
1: when they were still wearing itchy wool robes so they didn't touch their dick.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, is that the guy we're really going to for wisdom about um, family planning? <laughs> like, the, I'm sorry, Ben Stiller, and
1: uh, uh, oh god, now now I can't remember. Uh, remember the movie *Keeping the Faith*? Like, we have already made all the jokes about this that we, that can possibly be made, and like, I'm I am for the same reason not going to any celibate person for any kind of life advice. Personally, I also i mean i don't know man we're just like yelling at the choir who's like we fucking know dude like we are here every goddamn week we know what you're gonna say and it's like of course it's about punishing women for having sex i just eh. what is there else to say you know it's just about punishing women for having sex they don't women want women to fuck actually i shouldn't say that they want to stratify society based on women who do fuck and don't fuck right Mm -hmm. like they want to stratify society in the same way that we always have. I'm just listening to this great podcast that is by the um uh, QAnon anonymous guys that's trickle down and it's Travis View talking about uh bad ideas that trickle down from the top and he's doing one about eugenics and you know famously there's the line of the uh of the eugenics family that he studied that you know was essentially blamed on one virtuous woman and one loose ass barmaid being a slut causing four generations of of you know societal degenerates and prisoners and it's like this is what it ultimately boils down to which is like Mm
0: -hmm. i just
1: don't want you to have fucked too many guys because i'm insecure about making women come so i have to make that literally in all of society's (laughs) problems
0: and this is what it's gonna be this is now gonna be a problem for all of society yeah yeah um, that the, the numbers here are pretty stark for, you know, Amy Coney Barrett and all those people bringing up, uh, adoption as a solution as an adopted person, I can just state that would be lovely if it were possible, but it's not considering, um, the, I believe it's, uh, 4% of all abortions in the United States. Uh, it's about 4% of yeah. the adoption rate. Yep. Um uh, the adoption is about four percent of that, so we'd need a twenty times increase in adoptions, um, which obviously like is just not gonna happen and would be <laughs> fraught with all of its own moral issues. Uh, as I was just well. gonna say,
1: you know, they okay, for this to for this to meet its end, right? Like we need a twenty fold increase in adoption, but also they don't want any gay people to adopt. So we're gonna have to find you know, straight white Christian people apparently, you know, above a certain you know dollar amount of income and gotta be, th- married. Gotta be gotta, married. Gotta be married. Gotta be married. First time marriage. Wife has to be a virgin before marriage. <laughs> Ugh.
0: Yeah, that there. That is just simply it doesn't work out. And I mean, I saw what my parents had to go. Th- I've, I've I've seen rather what my parents had to go through to adopt. I've seen what other yeah. friends have had to go through to adopt. Um, it's extremely intense. Um, I, I,
1: I also want it to be said that like while this might not come to you know like for example a virginity check for the state to issue your marriage license, you know that doesn't mean they won't make it completely legal for your uh, um, you know your faith community or your church. to ask you for a fucking virginity Mm -hmm. test before they'll you know marry you in the church you know what i mean like this is this could be where this goes as fucking crazy as it sounds you know we're talking about like faith-based faith-based communities getting free reign to do essentially whatever they want and if it
0: bleeds over into the legislation eh? well what are you gonna do I mean, the question is how does how do you even enforce one of these laws, right? Yeah. That um, if we are suddenly going to quote unquote consider the rights of quote unquote you know fetal lives, yeah. Um, and if we can, we could even criminalize certain types of behavior that that might increase the risk of a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. And also, imagine like, how do you know if someone had an early abortion, a first trimester abortion? They're not showing. Nope. Are we going to be having communities tracking the periods of uh, women in their communities? Because we saw a Trump appointee who was running a detainment program for um, migrants and immigrants in the United States, people applying for asylum. He was tracking the periods of women in his care. It's purely
1: it's purely about making women animals again yeah. i don't know how to tell i don't know how to say it more plainly it's like it's I'm, wanting to make us chattel again
0: i i just gotta say like if that sounds extreme well the federal government was doing it during the trump administration like yeah, we already did it
1: yeah yeah also you know forced sterilization that's so crazy yeah. who would do that a <laughs> uh, lot a lot a lot of government-funded institutions to the quote-unquote you know imbeciles or feeble-minded you know from 1900 up until like jesus christ some of them into like literally the 60s and 70s yeah
0: i was gonna say it bled much farther into the 20th century than we care to admit that like tuskegee didn't happen during the civil war Mm. (laughs) or the war of 1812 you know
1: like people were wearing (laughs) clothes you could be thrifting right now that's a really you know, good
0: point. And listening to music, you still listen to. You still listen to.
1: They yeah. are, they might still, you might have, you could have a vinyl in your collection owned by someone in the Tuskegee experiment. Like Ruby fucking Bridges is still alive. She looks
0: great. She looks young. Sure. Like, <laughs> they'd always contextualize for me that my grandma, you know, was born in 1907. Yeah. So when I think of old, uh, I'm like, if it could have fallen within her living timeline, like it's not actually that old. Not that old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we, the, all of this stuff might seem, I mean, I think if even ten years ago might have seemed fanciful or insane. But there's a reason why people like me were like screaming our heads off uh, about all of these things for years and years and years. And we were called and we were basically I mean, I hate to say this, but like I, I felt like Cassandra for so long. <laughs> and, you know, it sucked. It. This is like the worst. I told you so ever. It's it's the worst. I fucking hate it. Yeah. Um, it was the same way when they start when the Trump administration started trying to denaturalize. Um, uh, adoptees that like, yeah, are putting kids in cages. Like, uh, there's no pleasure here. There's just this horrible sense of like dread and despair. I, you know,
1: fascism does not have that many new plays. You know, they're yeah. they are truly the Bill Belichick of of. Uh, what am I trying to say? Societal structures. Right. It's just. We we know that it's gonna be first of all, it's gonna be stupid. Like all fascism is inherently pretty stupid. It doesn't fascism can't survive in any sort of nuanced context. It just falls apart. So it's Well it tries to
0: annihilate thinking.
1: That's what yeah, right. Like so so we're gonna come this is this is why they rely on this, you know, abortion is murder messaging, because it's (sighs) I hate that like these words are now so familiar to me, but it's thought arresting. It's a it's a It's something that a lot of um, cults do, which is, you know, like shun the non-believer, basically. And uh, this is the abortion versions of shun the non-believer. And it's going to bring in people who are middle of the road, who are like probably Mm. never thought about abortion very much. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I guess it is kind of murder. Like, I guess Mm. I do believe that.
0: Except when push comes to shove, then you see them using contraception, getting abortions in their own lives that – the the whole point of this is to of rhetoric like that is to end debate it's simply right. to draw a line in the sand either you accept this or you don't and most americans want some restrictions on abortion but generally nothing too onerous like they don't yeah. want to see you know infanticide yeah you know but beyond that like they generally trust women to make the right decision that's about where most americans lie and the thing is is that that covers like like the abortion uh restrictions that allowed it up to viability generally encompass the vast 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 majority uh of abortions and the ones that didn't fall under that umbrella were because of things like you mentioned like ectopic pregnancies of um medical issues
1: and that, yeah my my mom my so my whole whole entire rest of my family are medical professionals doctors and nurses my mom's a nurse and she told me my whole life that pregnancy and birth are natural processes and just like when we would grow tomatoes that would get cat faced and get all fucked up she's like you know nature's really imperfect it's it's mm-hmm. uh and whenever nature is going to make a mistake. It makes a mistake really early on in the life cycle of whatever it's made a mistake on, whether it's, you know, a tomato will get catfaced in the flowering stage. You'll see a big like flower. It looks like 10 flowers look together. That will become a big 10 tomato stuffed into one tomato. Same thing with babies. If, if they're going to have a serious life threatening, life altering illness, it's going to show up probably in utero, probably on a mm-hmm. centesis, probably on a scan, probably on something. And you know, this idea that every pregnancy is perfect as my mom reminded me that's a TV thing. You know, pregnancy is kind of horrible and babies yeah. are ugly when they're born. Babies are horrible little floppy aliens and they're red and they're terrible looking and and they're covered in poop and goo. Yeah, and you're going to shit all over the table and then you you know, your your pussy might split from your pussy hole all the way to your asshole. It's happened to a very close friend of mine and it was her describing it to me nearly made me have her force her to pull over so i could vomit out the side of the car and and okay so if we're just going to go through like the list of of chronic long-term uh pain complications that happen from childbirth there's a significantly higher um um, occurrence of women with serious lower back problems who've had uh, epidurals, nerve blockers in their lower back. Anytime you stick a needle in your lower back, you know, you're having contractions or so your body's convulsing. That can cause quite a lot of damage to your yeah. lower body's nerve system. Uh, you can have, most women do have lifelong incontinence afterwards. Some women have pain during sex forever after they give birth. Some women uh, will have uh, like a urinary fistula where you might pee. You might have a hole that forms in your uh, urethra that goes all the way down to your vagina, and then you start urinating out of your vagina, out of your vulva, and that can cause all kinds of infections. You can have fecal contamination if you have if your fistula goes the other way, if it goes from your pussy to your butthole, then you can have poop inside your vagina. And I and I will I'm gonna keep going because listen, y'all don't even know your Unpregnant uterus is about the size of a fist, a loose fist. With a baby inside of it, you can imagine it grows to, like, you know, a a backpack that you might keep, like, a soccer ball and a pair of cleats in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then when you're – so the placenta is this big organ. The placenta is an organ that forms inside the woman's body, and it is attached to the uterus. So imagine a dinner plate size, a 10-inch around – Wound inside the body. That's what happens to a woman's body after she delivers a placenta. And this happens even if she delivers a stillborn baby. This happens if you're, you know, seven months into it and your baby has no brain, no lungs, no spine, and you have to deliver it. You're still going to have a a dinner plate size wound inside your body. That is the reason that you can't have sex for a long time because you're they can't have your partner introducing foreign bacteria when you have a huge wound inside your body. And so I I guess I just want to. State for the record, pregnancy is fucking horrible. It fucks your shit up. It fucks your shit up frequently for the rest of your life. And it's not just the bodily stuff alone, right? Like not even touching Mm -hmm. the total tearing asunder of whatever identity you had formed before and forming a brand new one. And this tiny little toolbox that your whole identity gets collapsed into. We call it motherhood. Setting aside all that, just the physical, is some of the most... If we did it to you on the outside, if it was like something that happened to people during like the Spartan race, it would be illegal. The Spartan race would be
0: illegal. One of uh, one of my friends, when she was giving birth, uh, said in a moment of unhappiness during the uh, contraction, this is not intelligent design. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is absolutely hilarious, but uh, 100% accurate. Yeah, Dr. Amy. I'm not going to give you your last name, but Dr. Amy, that is a classic that will live on forever. Yeah. Um, I do want to note that she, you know, this is a a PhD, a a world renowned uh, researcher. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And uh, let's just say that uh, she has two wonderful, beautiful boys. (laughs) Um, It was not a magical experience for her. And This is someone with world-class medical care, um, with an incredible amount of economic and cultural and social resources to fall back on. Um, And it's hard. It's hard for anyone. And I think you laid out a lot of the, 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 the potential physical issues. And the craziness to me is saying to anyone, you have to do this.
1: You have to. You have no choice. What were you thinking during those five minutes that you saw your husband for the first time in the two weeks that he's been on the road driving a truck or whatever, and you, you know, wanted to fuck him so bad because you love him so much and you just like the way you feel together that you didn't put on a condom? Well, you know, your doctor says this pregnancy might kill you, but you should have thought about that when you were trying to feel some sort of intimacy with your lifelong partner that you've chosen, so... And again, I'm, I'm
0: just I, like this. Always, this really gets me that when going through a nine, a ninety-plus page analysis, Alito does not mention this. Yeah, he does not get into the potential health ramifications. He does not get into the lived reality of 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 human beings. <laughs> of what sex means, of what parenthood means, um, of what these decisions mean. Instead, he plows back into law dictionaries written by people hundreds of years dead, many of whom never fucked, (laughs) let alone had kids. And if that seems like a particularly blinkered way, or let's just say like almost like I would argue like almost like sociopathic way to view the law. Yeah, That is the mainstream conservative legal doctrine at the moment. This is not a decision that somehow deviates from the court's decisions, uh, the conservative wing's decisions in other cases. It is highly consonant with their judicial philosophy. And there was this great um, article I read about conservative legal philosophy that it's essentially – designed to make things come out wrong <laughs> <laughs> that it, like the fact that it fucks up people's lives isn't a bug it's a feature yeah we're back to that yeah and i, I guess and that to me always i mean uh, there's the, these arguments in philosophy like a lot of people like me are like you are like consequentialists they like look at you know what the consequences of a particular moral or philosophical stance is and that will determine whether it's a good or a bad thing so like if uh you know if we allowed murder like bad things would happen so we shouldn't allow murder because we want good things to happen not bad and and this is often considered by some like sort of a simplistic moral outlook but in my feeling like I especially when it deals with the law. I try to think about rules and systems that work in the world as it is, not mm. for these sort of abstract conceptions of the good that exist purely within um, legal textbooks and uh, and the uh, hypothetical statements. <laughs> uh, it's so
1: palpable, right? Like when you get around somebody who truly believes this stuff how much better they think they are than you. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I I think I, I dated briefly, and I mean, oh, so briefly, uh, a guy who I went to college with uh, after we graduated who was a teacher at a Catholic school. First, should have just hopped right off the train then. But anyway, uh, we were talking about um, that we had both done mission work, and I grew up Methodist, he grew up Catholic, and so he went to – impoverished nations and did something involved with babies. And I I grew up Methodist. So we drove to Indianapolis and we fixed people's gutters. Uh, So um, we were talking about the fact that like, I just have this deep feeling that some people are just better off not being born. I I think that like, none of us are pretty, are very special. We're all kind of grains of sand on God's beach. If this is like the metaphor that we're using and like, whatever, we'll wash out to shore. We'll come back. Who cares? Uh, and he was so truly horrified by that, that, that I would even consider anyone under and and I, I, I asked him, I like, what is the limit to this? Like, do you think a person who grows up in a, grows up homeless, let's say unhoused and when, and then gets into the foster system is molested by a foster family, goes to another foster family is molested by them, you know? gets impregnated by a authority figure and becomes a, you know, a child parent themselves. And he was unwavering. He said, yes, that's, that's Mm. better than that child being aborted. Mm. And, um, he also told me that he loved me, um, on like our third date when he was on opiates and then begged me to peg him. That's a secondary, that's a separate conversation.
0: Um, I don't know. I think it's an important detail.
1: I honestly do kind of think it's an important detail. Yeah. Um, but um anyway, you know, this is this is what I think that ultimately people will come at you with this justification that it's murder. And I think at the end of the day it doesn't really matter because we make this decision all the time. We decide, like for example, people in vegetative states who have no uh, pupil dilation or who are have no um um Oh my gosh, pupil uh, reaction who have no pain reaction. Mm -hmm. We take them off of life support all the time. We already have a pretty well established standard for like a person who has a body, who has a heartbeat, who is alive, who isn't a person. And we remove their spirit or whatever is left of them from their body. And we, you know, we have plenty of decisions in which this is a completely acceptable thing. We take. Uh, Terry Shiva was a famous case of of them removing. Um, it's a it's a really much more interesting and and um, detailed story than got presented. But removing her feeding tube and her uh, hydration and allowing nature to take its
0: course, we do this all the time. Yeah, and I think that like the important thing is that like it was playing out that people were having important, gut wrenching, uh, moral conversations, and the addition of then Governor Jeb Bush into the conversation. <laughs> Didn't improve matters.
1: <laughs> no, in fact, it got so much worse yeah. that at one point it set up a scenario uh, where the state police were going to have to come fight the local police at the care facility where Shiva mm-hmm. was being held.
0: So, good job, Jeb. Yeah, are we gonna? I mean, <laughs> this is like think of it this way: like imagine, you know, state police in uh, in in the post Roe world, state police in in one jurisdiction where abortion is illegal. Uh, Get win that a woman is going to cross state lines to get an abortion. And she does, and they follow her into another state and they want (laughs) to arrest her and charge her and prevent her from getting the abortion. But in the new jurisdiction she's in, it's legal. Like, who has jurisdiction here? Like, she's a resident of one state, but she's currently in another state. They have contradicting laws. Uh, One state has a state. Has is a statute she, that says they can reach into this other state. Like yeah. again, it's freaking Dred Scott. Is she a fugitive now?
1: Right? Yeah. Is she like is she a is she a uh, abortion refugee at that point? Is she literally an abortion refugee inside yeah. her own federal republic of states?
0: I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think that we have to call those the fugitive slut laws. <laughs> uh- <laughs> God damn,
1: I'm glad I smoked weed through this entire yeah. episode. <laughs> Holy fuck.
0: Because uh, actually, that was one thing that, that was one joke that had not um, occurred to me earlier today, but I'm happy that it it happened on air. Future uh, Slut Laws <laughs> is amazing.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, here's a really fucked up thing, too, which is like, I am aging out of being considered in my maiden years to the right wing. And that personally has taken a lot of off of my mind. But what I'm really scared for is, you know, when you're 21, you're 20, you don't fucking care, like you're busy doing college or working or, you know, what I really worry about is that all this stuff is happening to this generation that's going to suffer from it. And a lot of them don't know anything about Mm -hmm. it and might one day need an abortion and find out that you know, not only can they not get one, but now the state has the right to know a bunch of stuff about their medical history and it all happened under their nose.
0: I mean, uh, I I, can you imagine schools now that, you know, they'll note when you have your first period and then keep track of all of them. And I mean, this sounds crazy, but you could see how it could be part of an enforcement mechanism uh, for one of these state schemes. I'm not I'm not kidding that like the erosion of this right to privacy means, especially in the med- sense of women's medical health, they could argue, I could see a plausible argument in within the context of, of this decision that the state's interest in preserving quote unquote fetal life supersedes that of the quote, of the quote unquote right to privacy yep. uh, of young women. Uh, and know how this creates a scheme of, that is creates essentially like a scheme of oppression toward a certain biological sex. Can we also just talk
1: about how the erosion of this privacy is like, (coughs) excuse me, is like the fucking predators dream. It is a predators Mm. fucking dream. If you are the creepy, you know, you're the creepy English teacher. You're the creepy gym teacher. All of a sudden, you have a right to to ask these these children a bunch of really invasive questions about their bodies and their personal lives and if they're having sex and who they're having sex with. Like this is not only not protecting women, it opens up an avenue for predation that is like oh, yeah. a fucking five lane
0: interstate highway. I mean, what's the think about the amount of leverage someone might have if they discover ding, ding, ding. that that uh, a young woman in their care? has had premarital sex or had an uh, illegal abortion. I mean. There you go. That's a lot of power. And if people think that that sounds alarmist or whatever, I'm just like, have you ever seen any system of control and compulsion? It always winds up this way. Google, Google for me, if you will, not you, but
1: Google reader, listener, Clark Ream, C-L-A-R-K-R-H-E-M-E. There's a guy I knew who was a prosecutor and then a judge here in Indianapolis who, I've told you this on the last episode, we talked about abortion, who sexually coerced a bunch of female prisoners uh, as their attorney. And if you think, (laughs) boy, howdy, if you think that is bad and disgusting, uh, wait until it's child rape victims and they might still go to jail if they, you know, if they are caught
0: for what they're doing. I just. Uh, I think that's the key, right? Yeah. That they can that they that the abusers in these cases could plausibly and legally hold the threat of imprisonment yep over these young women's uh over these young women and uh,
1: this is i know i know i know that you're ugh. that you're getting ready to say like this sounds so crazy this sounds so extreme but this is – I I don't want to, like, overshare with this, but my sister had a stalker in high school, um, and this stalker was also my, my – she was in high school, but he was my middle school youth group leader, um, and his stalking was one of just, like, coercive control, just uh, not being overtly threatening, just, like, calling the house all the time, and she had a pager. He would just pager constantly – Um, Just to kind of like get her in trouble at school And then he would sit in his car Like out under the Streetlight where we could see him like he would Intentionally park the car so we could see him But he was in the public road so of course The cops couldn't do anything about it And uh, that kind of Person um, is is exactly the kind of person who is going to immediately jump to these laws to take advantage of them in the way that we've just mm-hmm. described, who is already preying on young women, who is already putting himself in a position of both trust and authority and power, um, who is aligning themselves with such forces as God Himself and your eternal salvation. Uh, you know, th- this is just going to supercharge predation.
0: And of course, you know Susan Collins will say, "Ah, oh, I can't <laughs> believe this." She today she said, "You know, if this is true, then that really contradicts all the conversations I had with Kavanaugh." Such and, a fucking stupid bitch. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and Gorsuch, and I'm like, "Have you heard of the concept of lying?" Oh my
1: god! Like she's literally your teacher that you have in high school, who just like you're like, "Oh my god, it's so embarrassing!" Like my gerbil ate your homework, ate my homework, and she's like. I have never heard of a gerbil doing such a thing. I hope you got a little bit of it on video. And you're just yeah. like, God damn, you didn't even, you're not even skeptical for a second.
0: Fuck. It's, it's, you know, it's always the joke that like, you know, I wasn't born yesterday, but I guess Susan Collins was. Yeah, um, she might have literally been born last Tuesday, I guess. I mean, she has a choice. Either she is completely gullible and lacks the sort of, I don't know, sophistication <laughs> to serve in her position or she's just lying about giving a shit about uh, women's reproductive rights. Like it's one of the two. Um, I think it's the first. I think that she's actually that credulous. And like a lot of uh, people I know don't, never could imagine that this day would come. And I think a lot of them are still sort of in denial. I've heard a few people like, well, we don't know this is true. I'm like, literally, John Roberts said it's real. So (laughs) like my, um, you know,
1: my, my whole mom's generation who got the credit card, my mom literally lived through being able to get a credit card in her own name and getting an abortion and are just so sure that none of this stuff will ever go away. And Listen, Madeline Albright is a dumbass in her own right, like definitely got taken by um, uh, Herbalife and all their bullshit. But at the same time, she did say something at a speech that I went to go see, which always stuck with me, which is we can always go back. Mm-hmm. We can always go back. And you can imagine, you know, if they are always leaning on the door, they are always back to the door, full weight against it. And if you stop pushing against the door for
0: a second, they're going to fucking come on through. Yeah. Like we we basically just have one choice. Like we have to win essentially every election at every level from now until eternity. Yeah. That like that's basically what our goal has to be is that we have to take control at the local level. We have to take control at the state level. We have yeah. to take control at the federal level and then hold it. Yeah. And then hold it as long as we possibly can with, you know, just scrabbling and clawing for every single victory that we can get because that's how long it's going to take to, to turn over. That, like, we have night now a six to three conservative supermajority on the court. Yep. And so we have to outlast Alito and at least Alito and Thomas. Yep. That means that we need to win the Senate and the House and the presidency for essentially the next 20 years. Yeah. Actuarially this. to guarantee that both of those fuckers will die and we can replace them. Yeah, there you go. If if there's any gap, any gap where a Republican Senate and a Republican president um, can replace Alito and Thomas with people in their 40s, Alito and Thomas will resign and they will be replaced and then we'll have to start the the death watch for John Roberts and yep. like fucking Gorsuch, which could be thirty or forty years. Like we are talking about having to win election after election after election for decades to have a chance at this. And I know that sounds daunting. I know, I know it does, but like if we think about, I mean, the, right now I was reading this fantastic article about all of these reproductive rights organizers who are basically planning on making an underground railroad. Yep. That was, that was my first thought was,
1: also, I don't. I'm not like this. Is not like an anti-planned parenthood thing. But they, they're not. Anytime you donate to them, you're donating to a, a host of services. Donate specifically to abortion funds. This yeah. has been well publicized online. But specifically, yeah. donate to like travel funds or housing funds or, uh, you know, whatever it takes to get people from places like Arkansas and fucking Mississippi and Alabama over mm-hmm. to,
0: oh, fuck wherever is the closest. For and them. if there's one that doesn't serve your area, make one. Yeah, do it. Start yeah. One. That there, that this is going to be the work of all of us for years, but Thanks. we can do it. That we've seen the work of brave Americans for decades. Just think about the freed slaves and the descendants of freed slaves who fought for equal rights. I, I for, just we're still fighting for equal I, rights.
1: I know, you know, we like so many white fucking feminist bitches like miss out on the lessons of the black liberation movement because they're really worried about like civility and propriety when like, (coughs) damn it, we wouldn't be in this position if we had like maybe taken some actual notes from the black Panthers on how to do this. You know what I mean? Like, I was going to
0: say that like, we need to actually be willing to fight and lose. Yeah. And then keep fighting and And, keep losing until we win.
1: And doing a bunch of really unsexy stuff. Like, you know, birth control programs you know it's Mm -hmm. like the black panthers did breakfast that's what that was like Mm -hmm. a massive massive contribution it's not a very sexy cause and it's gonna be driving people from house to house in untraceable cars and making sure sorry making sure that people women get the care and you know all humans get the care that they need to not be forced to be fucking pregnant it's so crazy
0: to even say it out loud i'm just saying that like so Every year, the Federalist Society, that conservative, insanely right-wing organization that basically now handpicks judges for the Republican Party, they get about 20, 22 million dollars in funding every year. Mm-hmm. That's how much it's cost them. That's nothing. Yep. That we should be leaning on fucking Howard Schultz to stop doing vanity presidential campaigns, stop spending money on trying to, you know, uh uh break the backs of unionizing Starbucks workers, we should be taking all the supposedly progressive millionaires and saying, we need $22 million a year to make a real left wing counterweight to the Federalist Society, we should be pressing on all of them to on all of these rich people like, you know, you want to go 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 to the moon, you know what, how about you guarantee reproductive rights for women here on Earth? Yeah. that we and- have all these ultra rich people who make the right noises on social media, but they don't actually put their money where it's needed. Especially- and this is something that like Koch brothers and the conservative activists get really, really right is that they lost on row for 50 years yep. until they won.
1: Yeah. And they were willing to be, you know, we have, there, there are a lot of, billionaires who are not connected to like a brand and i guess if you like don't want to connect your brand to ugh, abortion or whatever that's fine but like there are a lot of just like kind of hanging out rich people you know what i mean there's a there are plenty of just you know whatever the new vanderbilts are just hanging out whose you know impact on this issue will not have any pr consequences whatsoever and they could be like i'm rich bitch deal with it
0: yeah, if Elon Musk really cared so much about free speech, why isn't he funding literacy programs in the inner city? He doesn't care. He doesn't yeah. care. He's a piece of shit. That's what I'm saying. That, like, w- if we need rich people who actually are willing to fund the unsexy shit that works year after year after year to do the work. It's not just about who can get the most follows on Twitter, who can get social media buzz for a moment, who can get the best, you know, like, ooh, hot take or zinger. Um, It's about people who you probably will never see and never know. I doubt any of you can name who the president of uh, the Federalist Society is um, because he doesn't give a shit. I want to note he only gets paid a hundred grand a year. Obviously he makes money other ways, but this is not like an expensive thing in the grand scheme of things that like there are so many things we could do with this money like someone like dolly parton who's wealthy but not mega wealthy right she spent millions of dollars buying books for kids yep great investment i I took the words
1: took the the character right out of my brain i was like you can just be the dolly parton but instead of books you can do abortions Mm -hmm. or if you're you know if you're a fancy lady who has gotten, you know, I, I know a lot of fancy ladies who have high power jobs at places like Salesforce where they are racking up uh, frequent flyer miles like crazy. That's actually a great thing to donate uh, to any of these abortion services if you can, because, you know, there are people who are going to have to fly across the country. They won't be able to drive and get back and get back to work in enough time. So donate your frequent flyer miles.
0: This is something that we really need to get. A grasp on on the left is that like we are going to lose a lot that like i know a lot of people like got really disillusioned after bernie lost in the primary in 2016 they're like i'm never voting again yep and i'm just like what you lost once and now you're done it makes me
1: it drives me crazy it it's truly like the most irritating thing about the left which is I demand a, soci- a democratic socialist utopia. And if I don't get it by the end of this week, I am taking my ball and going home.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember my first election that I voted in, this is going to age me a little, uh, was in 2004. It was the Kerry versus Bush Jr. campaign. Nice. And it was brutal. Um, it was brutal because, you know, the young idealist as I was, I'm just like, he's been such a shit president. There's no fucking way this moron is getting reelected. Uh, <laughs> uh, so much faith in the American people.
1: So much and, faith and a massive underestimation of the uh, 9-11 uh, trauma that was carrying over it. Yeah. Everybody, everybody wanted daddy. We wanted to stick with the yeah. daddy that was hugging us during the we, terrible times.
0: We did manage to flip New Hampshire blue for that cycle, which was nice. Cool. Well, ultimately didn't matter. But... <laughs> I didn't go like, well, fuck this shit. Fuck America. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm never voting again. No, I was out there again in 08 working for Obama. Yep. Like, that's what you that that's what you do. You know? Today, that, that, that's what you do. Today I had the busiest
1: I today is one of the busiest days that I'll have probably this summer. And I made time to go to the polling place that is boo 90 seconds drive from my house. And I ran in and I voted for Andrea Hunley because she's gonna do the job. Mm-hmm. And it's primary day and it there's no excuse. You got to go in there and got to make time to put your thingy in the thingy and
0: get the people out, you know? Yeah. And I have to say, if you're old, think about the future like a young person. Yeah. And if you're young, vote like an old person. <laughs> yeah. Every time, state, local, federal, whatever. If it's election day, you're there you're bringing your friends, you're yeah. driving your friends to the polls, you're handing out cookies, you're handing out wa- in places where it's legal. Um, <laughs> you're, you're giving people food and water uh, or doing whatever you can to support them if it's legal Providing chairs for people uh, who are having trouble standing in line for, for long periods of time, whatever you can do. Um, that That's how we win this back. And I know that's like unsexy.
1: Not it's
0: sexy. Blue like, does not result in immediate socialist yeah. utopia. And no we're saying both ends. You need to go out and vote all the time. And yeah. you also need to go and make the the world around you better in your community all it's, the time. It's not a joke. Like
1: we've you know, they've managed to turn vote blue no matter who into like a meme and a stupid thing when that's exactly what you should be Voting for the leftmost candidate, the most viable mm-hmm. leftmost candidate, every possible time that you can. Indiana missed out on a great opportunity with Dr. Woody Myers. And it's because people were saying, oh, well, it's Indiana. He's a Democrat. It doesn't really matter. Well, if that's the attitude that we have, we're never going to have a Democratic <laughs> mayor. We can be Kentucky. We can have hot ass Andy Andy Brashiers doing our work. Doing the things that we need to do and keeping our, well, it didn't really keep their legislation in no. check, but God damn it, he tried.
0: And The thing is that, like, you know, as much as I like to hate on Joe Manchin, he's been voting for progressive judicial nominations. Yeah. He voted for Katanji Brown-Jackson, you know, that, like, if he, if we have more Democrats in office, we will not have outcomes like this. Yep. Like, we will not have to rely on the cinemas and the mansions of the world uh, to pass our legislation. Like there is, that is the solution. We just need more power and like, like real power, power with significant solid majorities so that, you know, that like one bad election or one, you know, bad thing happening doesn't tank the entire ruin, the entire project that like, we need to go out. We need to vote blue all the time because I promise you, and this is not sexy, but it's just a fact. Any Democratic nominee will be better than the Republican <laughs> nominee, no matter who they are. It's just that that's just a fact. Like, if you see who the Republicans have put on the Supreme Court and who the Democrats have put on the Supreme Court, like, Sonia Sotomayor has a word with you if you want to say that Democrats and Republicans are all the same. <laughs> like Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan and Ketanji Brown Jackson are like, look at us. Now look at them.
1: Do Man, you notice the, something? The Indiana legislative Democrats are so awesome. They're so awesome. They work their asses off, you know, knowing that a lot of the stuff that they put a lot of thought and effort into will not even make it to a vote. And all the legislation that our that our Indiana, you know, Senate and House Democrats put up is just awesome. It's it mm-hmm. it grows, uh, public transit. It would allow for greater access to healthcare. You know, it would it would call co- it would create more funding for things like uh, children in need of services and schools. And if everybody who believed in this stuff actually voted, then we would pass it. You know, then we mm-hmm. wouldn't have a, a super majority even in Indiana. If you believe in like the basic stuff and and you actually voted for it, and we could get all those people out to the polls. We wouldn't be in the situation.
0: It can feel hopeless at times like this. Lord knows that I definitely had my (laughs) moment of like staring into the void last night and for parts of this morning. Um, So, you know, I took my dog out. I took Benny out and we sat in the sunshine and we ate some tacos. Nice. And then I was just like, you know what? It's time. It's time to just keep working that like we we do this because it matters because it has real life consequences for people. And like, they want us to give up. They want us to feel pain and to give right. into despair and feel defeated. And like, yeah, we're allowed to feel those things for a moment. Um, And we're allowed to scream into a pillow and vent to each other and hug each other and cry. Like, do it, do all of that. And then we get up together and and we go out and we fight again.
1: Yeah. and I'm not trying to sound like Pollyanna about this, but. It's going to suck in the short term and that's just a fact. Mm-hmm. But this is not going to prosper in the long term. It's just not going to. It leads mm-hmm. to too many bad consequences for too many people and I'm I'm really truly full of grief that we're going to have to see some of those consequences come to fruition to change it. But it won't last forever. This just cannot last forever, you know. They've they hung Mussolini by his feet from a meat hook. It's not going to last forever. That so we have to believe
0: that, right? Yeah. We have to say to ourselves First, what can we do to mitigate the immediate harm? What can we do to help our brothers and sisters who need it? And then what else do we need to do so that this harm doesn't happen again? Yeah. And we maybe like part of me says, "You know what? Roe was based on the on, on the right to privacy. It wasn't a due process concern. It wasn't uh it wasn't a right. Like maybe what we really need to do is is get a constitutional amendment." Maybe Mm -hmm. we need to actually win the hard, do the hard work to get that done. Okay. Like that sounds impossible today, but I don't, I mean, overturning Roe seemed impossible, you know, during the Obama presidency. That's right. Um, And things like Obergefell felt impossible before, but we got those done. Now they're at risk, but we, if if they undo it, we can redo it and we can do it better and stronger. So it's harder to, uh, it's harder to get rid of that. But like, you know, when people talk about the arc of history and shit like that, and, like, it, it, it's a saying, but I think it's so true. It's, like, it doesn't go in any direction. It's, we, instead, we struggle and fight to decide what way it all goes. Yes. That, like, we are in this sort of tug of war, and, like, today feels like shit, but the nice thing about the American system as it is is that it doesn't end. And we are, human beings are
1: predisposed and pre-wired to be justice-seeking. We are Uh human beings (laughs) are meant to help each other find food and give each other hugs and dress each other's wounds and to seek justice for our neighbors. And, you know, again, we're going to be deprived of justice in the short term. And it's going to be really shitty and a lot of people are going to suffer. But, I mean, I truly believe this. This is not just the weed and, you know, my refilled Adderall prescription talking. But, like, I believe that we are oh my God, I'm going to invoke and okay. The arc of history is long, but <laughs> it's it bends okay. toward justice. You know, just like you were saying. It is long, but it does bend towards
0: justice. Because we're fucking pulling on it and pulling on it and pulling on it and pulling <laughs> on it. And like, I put it this way. I have a friend from Baltimore and every year he says that this year is the year the Orioles are going to win the World Series. Uh, and it's never true. Uh, 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 but the thing is, is that he is like the happiest baseball fan I've ever seen (laughs) because he knows it's not true, but he still believes it every year. And eventually it will be true. It will. Yeah. And it's because of that sort of insane faith that he he and other Orioles fans have that will make sure that they will persist long enough for it to happen. And then once it happens, it can't be undone. Yep. So we just need, I mean, it's just so like I understand, and I'm with you to just like take a little time and let out the collective grief and be kind to each other. We're not always gonna pro we're not all gonna process this the same way. Yeah. So like show some empathy and care. Assume the best of people you're talking with, not the worst. Um and then like we have to help each other heal enough so we can keep moving forward. And We are not in the same
1: situation we were before Roe. And I mean that in that, like, we are connected. We are informed. There are more doctors out. My sister just recruited the last, her latest class of uh, radiology interns, which is overwhelmingly women over men. More than women, more than men, not over men. Yikes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... We're going to get the people the things that they need. We're going to mail it to them. We're going to mm-hmm. drive them there. We're going to we're going to do whatever we have to do. It's what we always do. Because we have the people and yeah. we are right and we're right. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're right. We're, we're right. right. I just want to say we're right and we're operating out of abundance and not fear. And yeah. uh abundance mindset and Oh my God, I really do sound like one of those CEOs, but like abundance mindset and positive mindset and believing that you really can solve the problem is essential to solving the problem.
0: And and this is like, I'm sure that there might be someone, you know, who one day who's like, you know, anti-abortion and then comes to you because they need help. Yeah. They need help with the contraceptive. They need help finding an abortion. And there's going to be a really big urge to tell them to go fuck themselves. (laughs) and we're going to have to meet that with with love and acceptance and support. And the thing is that I've seen nothing but that yeah. from all the people I know who've worked on this issue. They have shown they it comes from this gigantic well of compassion and care yeah. for everyone, for men, for women, for children, for everyone in our society. And if we make sure that we show the best of ourselves, we show our persistence and our strength and our Unwavering determination to do the right thing. Like we will win. It might be not this year, it might not be 10 years from now, but we will win.
1: Clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Clear eyes, full hearts can't
0: lose. <laughs> and in the meantime, you know, we are lucky enough that we can congregate with each other in both physical and virtual spaces. We can commiserate and laugh and cry together. And or I hope that some of you uh, managed to get that here.
1: Hell yeah. Buy my honey. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and and to continue to support the podcast, as always, <laughs> go to metalhoney.com. So uh, <coughs> what what, mar- what markets are you doing right now? Uh, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday,
1: March 4th, you can find me at the original Farmer's Market in downtown Indianapolis outside of beautiful uh, City Market, 222 East Market Street. And then later tomorrow evening, you can find me at the Sobro Farmer's Market at the northwest corner uh, 49th and College in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. It's going to be a great day, and I will see you out there.
0: If you can't make it to those, go to metalhoney.com. You can find all of uh, the all of the merchandise for purchase. It's all fucking delicious. Delicious <laughs> as hell. Um, beautifully packaged, gets shipped to you. Um, and i mic, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and you, you help support the podcast. You help support um, small businesses. And second uh, – and- in a secondhand way, you will be supporting some abortion funds. So they, even better, <laughs> uh, <laughs> even better. Uh, I think that'll do it uh, for this week. Oh, and as always, please like subscribe and share the podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at us at perp stew on Twitter. <laughs> That's at perp stew, P E R P S T E W um, on Twitter. Um, you can also find us, you know, uh, on Facebook and all the other places. And please share the podcast as widely as you can. We really want to get those a listener. Uh, we want to make sure that people hear, he, he, that people hear the good news. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that'll do it for us for this week. I'm Matthew. Go- uh, this has been The Perpetual Stew. Uh, I'm Matthew Goodman. I'm Sarah Merle. And until next time, stay curious. Bye.